0: Welcome to Podcast Sans Frontieres, a James Bond audio experience. Here, we infiltrate the narrative, interrogate the characters, extract the themes, thanks to Q-Branch, of course, and finally face down the cinematic behemoth that is the 007 franchise. The name's Bond. James Bond. The name's Bomb. Manuclear Bomb, aka Manu. I don't have anything interesting. I'm Brian, still high. Hello. Today's episode is The Past Isn't Dead, where Podcast Sans Frontieras keeps up with Mr. Hideo Kojima's favorite film franchise and gives our take on the latest 007 film, No Time to Die. But first, our spoiler warning for this, well, just this episode. We'll lead in with some production notes and a couple minutes of non-spoiler discussion, but after that, it's all on the table as we progress through this film. We'll make it very clear when we dive into the spoiler section with a sound clip or break. So, real quickly, No Time to Die is the 25th film in the James Bond franchise, following up 2015 Spectre and wrapping up the Daniel Craig era, which launched in 2006 with Casino Royale. It was directed by Kerry Joji Fukunaga, Uh, Danny Boyle was originally courted, and Denis Villeneuve was also approached for this film, but he was, you know, doing something else. Um, The screenplay is by Fukunaga, Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag fame, Neil Purvis, and Robert Wade. Uh, Wade and Purvis have been on every 007 film since The World is Not Enough. Waller-Bridge is the second credited credited female screenwriter on a Bond after Johanna Harwood was credited on Doctor No and From Russia with Love. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge was also brought in at Daniel Craig's request. The music for this film, uh, Hans Zimmer handled the score. Uh, he was brought in, uh, I believe, during post-production for this. I think someone else was lined up initially. And Billie Eilish does the title song. And the estimated budget is somewhere between 250 to $300 million. The cast, as you may know, is Daniel Craig as James Bond 007, Rami Malik as Lucifer Safin, the big bad, Leia Sidhu as Madeline Swan um, as the love interest, and then going down from there, Lashana Lynch as Nomi, Anna de Armas as Paloma, Ben Wishaw as Q, Naomi Harris as Eve Moneypenny, Jeffrey Wright as Felix Leiter, Christoph Waltz as Blofeld, Ralph Fiennes as M, Rafe. and Rory, uh, Rafe, Rafe Fiennes, yeah. yes, as yeah. M. And Rory Kinnear as Tanner, a character I really love his inclusion. Mm-hmm. So just uh all that out of the way. Uh Brian, what are your initial thoughts on No Time to Die?
1: It fits nicely into that uh middle level of the bond of the Craig Bonds, where it's uh I, I was assuming it would be good because they they followed that formula. The first one was very good. The second one, I mean I think Quantum of Solace is decent, but it's still not like has issues and then most people like Skyfall. Uh, very few people like Spectre. So it's go- it's gone back and forth. So this one is nice to go out on another up, like an upswing of like a, pr- a pretty good movie that I I mostly enjoyed watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At no point was I like, oh, this is, like Spectre was dire. Spectre is a dire movie. Yeah. So it's not. Ni- it's nice to get that. It's nice to get some of the stuff in Spectre used a little more interestingly. And you know, I don't know. I I thought it. It's it's a fine movie. Action scenes are mostly very good. There's a couple that I just kind of wrote, but that it, it's a Bond movie. Like They always have to have one thing, scene where he's just going down a hallway shooting guys, and it's just boring. I don't... I'm good. I don't, I don't need to watch this, but you know, other than that, and some weird stuff in the middle where it just sort of it hangs out. I don't really know how else to describe it. It's, it's just, they spend like 30 minutes in the movie just sort of waiting to do the end. And I didn't really understand it, but I liked it overall.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's uh, pretty much where I land. Um, I think it's just a good, solid James Bond movie overall. Um, It might be the most James Bond movie of the Craig era. Mm -hmm. Um, Perhaps it's something that they always thought they might build to as the last entry being like probably the most wrapped up in like the kind of general, you know, Bond cliches like a henchman who has a gimmick, you know, um, and I won't get too much into it uh, in this non-spoiler section, and then he dies because of some play on that gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very, like, odd. You know, his death kind of felt like odd job to me. Um, there was a... Uh, know, kind of a secret base in there that he had to infiltrate, uh, you know, kind of a lot of very basic trappings of a, you know, kind of traditional or classic James Bond movie. Um, and yeah, I just think it's, you know, kind of somewhere in that middle, upper third of Bond movies for me. Uh, not like, you know, one of the cream of the crop, but definitely one like, oh, this is on. Is this a scene I'm going to enjoy? I can leave this on, you know, if I catch it on TV or cable or whatever.
1: They had, they had the inclusion of, of some kind of quote unquote world politics in it again, mm-hmm. which is been gone since. Uh, if there's one real criticism I, I've seen of the Craig Bonds that I really agree with, it's not even the gritty, tough Bond stuff. I don't. I don't mind that. It's the every single movie since Casino Royale. I guess not Quantum. Quantum didn't really care about that because Quantum's like 80 minutes long. But the last, like Skyfall and Spectre, both had a real problem of being like. Uh, being too involved with like the meta narrative of James Bond, like is James Bond relevant? You know, every superhero, every Superman movie is—is is Superman still relevant? At a certain point, I was like, I don't want you to talk about that. Like, I, I would prefer just doing a Bond movie. Like, people still like those; they want to see that. So just keep doing that. And this is the first one since Casino that was just like, "Hey, Bond stuff, world politics." Like, oh, we're gonna start a war with Japan because that's definitely gonna happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like they kind of freely threw around Japan, Russia. Um, they spent time in Jamaica. Um, so it was kind of all over the, you know, like, geographically all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't ever like shy away or make sure they do a tongue in cheek, you know, kind of like "ha ha." We know this is being written, uh, you know, in 2021 or, you know, I know it was started writing many years ago, but no, I totally get you. It just like openly invoked nations as powers, which is definitely something of the more of the Cold War and pre-end of history era, yeah, um, you know, when kind of, you know, political international analysis was still kind of based around nation states, whereas now it's far more, you know, sans frontières, so to speak. Um, I think a big part of that is just, you know, capitalism, you know, because that extends beyond national borders. But I digress. Um, But yeah, it just like, you know, Russia's pissed off. Japan is pissed off. Um, You know, the British and the Americans, you know, the two, you know, grandpa and father imperialism of this planet um just kind of you know butting heads and just we want to do imperialism our way you want to do imperialism your way um but like it doesn't like shy away from it or like try to be too too cute with it it's just like it's a fucking bond movie it's a spy movie that's he's a you know british serve you know secret service agent let's just kind of roll with that yeah. plus you know all the character stuff which was actually nice to see because it actually it didn't come off poorly politics wise and probably just because it didn't even try to care about it. It just said, "Oh yeah, that's Russia, that's Japan, they're pissed, whatever." Um, yeah, so I think that's um, you know, pretty much fine for a non-spoiler section. We yeah, don't want to go what too else long to really talk about with, this episode. Spoiler. Um so uh we'll uh cut it right there i'll insert a sound clip for your pleasure um let, maybe we'll do Billie eilish's no time to die song and then when we come back after this we're going to go full spoilers on no time to die that So we're back with the spoiler section for No Time to Die. A very big picture summary is going to be uh, the movie starts with a flashback. We see young Madeline Swan, Leah Seydoux's character from Spectre, and she is evading capture from um, a killer who's after her and more, you know, importantly, her father, who was Mr. White from the early Daniel Craig films. Um, she's able to escape out onto an ice field um but she falls under and the killer actually ends up saving her and then we cut to modern day this is bond and uh swan after the events of specter they go to italy bond wants to visit vesper lynn's grave oh uh, madeline wants him to visit her grave that's the important thing yes correct um but uh, the grave blows up in Bond's face, uh, which we'll later find out is the doing of Blofeld. But Bond suspects that Madeline Swan, who is the daughter of someone of Spectre, uh, you know, was behind it all. That's how, you know, these killers, the bomb was there. Um, Bond gets attacked. And uh, basically he, you know, kind of in a pretty cool, you know, combo car, motorcycle, you know, chase sequence, um, Gets back to the hotel where uh, Madeline is, uh, you know, gets her into the Aston Martin. Um, He kind of literally does throw her into the car. And then from there, um, there's kind of just, you know, another action set piece. Uh, Bond is able to escape. Um, He puts Madeline on a train, says we're never going to see each other again. And Billie Eilish comes in with the no time to die main theme. It's a replacement level Bond theme. Yeah. It's fine it's okay coming out. Yeah. It's very, um, it's very kind of slow and sedated, uh, which is not usually what I think of when I think of bond themes. Well, uh, um, I don't know. I,
1: I got, I got the feeling the whole time I would like, Oh, this sounds like Adele should have been singing it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I am openly, uh, when skyfall first dropped, I'm like, you know, Adele should just basically do every bond song ever yeah. until, yeah. uh, she comes back again. Um uh, but I do like Billie Eilish broadly. I think her new album, solid, um, Definitely a different vibe There's was, there was nothing wrong with the song It was fine It's just sort of Yeah, no, I think you're uh, fair to say that It is not in my like top tier of James Bond theme songs I can tell you
1: It that. is fun that the I think if you were to do the order of the Craig themes They'd probably roughly equal The, the generally accepted order of the Craig movies
0: Yeah, no, I think that's probably good. People like Casino Royale and Skyfall the best of them. And then I don't know anyone who likes Spectre the most of the Bond songs. So, nope. um, Not that version of Spectre, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it has a different name. No, the Radiohead
1: version that they rejected is one of my favorite Radiohead songs of the last decade, but they didn't use it. So, Mm -hmm. they instead went with a a song that was confessed to be written
0: in like four minutes. Yeah. By, and it, it by an like already it. boring artist. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, so coming back to the plot real quick, yeah, we sorry. cut to five yeah, no, we're fine. Uh five years later, after um the opening trailer, um, and we see uh a quote unquote MI6 scientist abducted from a laboratory. Um he this uh, scientist has invented essentially uh, Fox die uh, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word and we'll get into the metal gearness of it later but project Heracles basically a bioweapon that targets people with specific DNA so you know fox die again um and they literally it's say, na- uh, na- nanobots also they say nanobots which is I hundred percent think it's just like we can't say nano machines after we're already cribbing uh fox die I, I don't know if it's a direct crib but you know what I mean um it would be Way more on the nose if they called it nanomachines, but they call them nanobots. And, anyways, um, the scientist is taken by, I think we're supposed to believe, uh, Spectre agents at first, um, because he's uh, being taken to a Spectre gathering in Cuba. No,
1: no, he was taken by Spectre agents. He was, he was, uh, Safin calls him right before it and tells him what to do. He's taken by the, mm. the, the cyborg, the Cyclops guy, and then he's, um, I'm gonna say real quick what I really liked about him. Again, it's another kind of a throwback to older Bond. Is I liked, um, I liked that he was just like a vague ethnic stereotype. <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> oh, uh, the scientist? You mean? Yeah. Or yeah. the no, the scientist. Yeah.
1: It's just sort of like
0: Russian scientist man. Like it just was. That's another Metal Gear reference, actually. But yeah, it's a very Sokolov um, character, honestly. This Valdo Ubrachev.
1: I was thinking more of like like madnar almost like just like 80s russian guy that's what he was and i like that
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and he even you know i think he definitely adds a little bit of that uh boris grishenko yeah i to say we haven't seen a guy like that
1: since since boris the greatest side character in mod history
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. i totally agree with that um so he's abducted essentially um and then the whole purpose of that is to get him to a specter meeting in cuba um at this point we cut to uh, jamaica where bond has retired which i think is kind of neat because that's also where ian fleming retired and is also a callback to mm-hmm. early bond movies um and there um he's basically encountered by felix leiter and this douchebag with him named logan Ash. Um, and basically, they're asking for Bond to help them track down the scientist, Oberchef, um, you know, kind of off the books of both CIA and MI6. Um, but later, MI6 makes their presence known to Bond in the form of Lashana Lynch's new 007. Um, her name is Nomi otherwise, and she's the one officially on the Project Heracles uh, recovery mission from uh, M. Uh, So Bond agrees to help Leiter after uh, meeting uh, the MI6 replacement for him, for lack of a better term. And he goes to Cuba where he rendezvous with Paloma, played by Ana de Armas, uh, who's working under Leiter as part of the CIA. Uh, From there, uh, it's all kind of a trap. You know, Bond was being lured there by Blofeld in some capacity um, because there's just like a robotic eye that one of the guys is just kind of walking around with. And Blofeld's watching the whole party from his uh prison cell back in Germany or thereabouts, which I actually think is a old school Bond thing too, about having meetings like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well they did that
1: and they did that in Inspector and it was like dull. Remember that they had the yeah, big huge meeting that was a trap for Bond Inspector. And, and it was just like a boardroom and it kinda sucked. Yeah. Um, I like I, I really quickly I w I wanna clarify in case people aren't understanding, I like that the Russian doctor was brought in solely to code Bond's DNA sequence into the nanobots so they could kill him there. And he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. He switches it with every Spectre agent's DNA, which is what Safin's plan is, and that's how they kill Spectre, which works great. Yeah, no, it's a nice little twist. Great, great Metagirl style. Yeah, again, I, I like that's another like guy is working for allegedly working for the bad guys actually has their own
0: agenda and can he 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 is he is Russian Naomi in this movie. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, the scene also plays a little bit. Uh, like the donald anderson uh death mm-hmm. um as well where it's like a bunch of you know someone dies and you don't really understand what's going on at that moment um but yeah go ahead you were gonna say something else
1: no that was pretty much it i was just gonna say that i like the cuba scene a lot the cuba sequence a lot cuba mm-hmm.
0: um as so um this uh you know uh Heracles, uh, virus, fox die, whatever you want to call it, uh, wipes out all the specter agents in the room. Um, but then from there, there's an open gunfight with, uh, Bond and Paloma versus, um, probably more or less, uh, the big bad Lucifer Saffin's um, forces. Or just like remaining security people. It doesn't really make, yeah bad guys, it doesn't really matter. Jobbers, yeah. yeah. It's absolutely just people that are there so Bond can, you know, rack up the kill count for... Uh, the movie. So um, it's actually you know, a pretty solid scene overall. Uh, 007 Nomi um, shows up and is also like trying to take the scientist away from Bond. Um, but then uh, uh, Paloma and DeArmis is able to recapture him by running a car into a scaffolding and he kind of drops into their lap from there. Which is a very Dalton era. like
1: That's how it's more era because there would have been like a, a, somebody would, a sound effect. Yeah, a sound effect or like some uh, somebody were wearing a clown outfit, you know. But, like, uh, very much like a 80s-era Bond-like
0: uh, physical comedy caper, almost, like, which is great. Yep. Um, so, from here, um, they kind of, I believe at this point, Bond uh, ends up rendezvousing with uh, Money, Penny, and Q. Um, I think he shows up at MI6 first just as, like, whatever, a consultant mm-hmm. um, or, you know, visitor, I think would be the proper term. That's the badge as yeah. Um, so he's just kind of checking in with them after everything that happened. Oh, we kind of skipped over everything that happened exiting Cuba. So they recovered the scientist, and Bond and Felix are trying to get him out via a boat. Um, but it turns out that the douchebag Logan Ash we mentioned earlier is working for Safin, um, and then he ends up trying to take the scientist, and in the process, uh, Lighter gets shot. Uh, the boat starts blowing up, and uh, Bond kind of leaves Lighter. Um, at Lighter's request, like, dude, you know, let me die here. I'm struggling. You can't carry me to safety from here on out. Um, so we get the death of Felix Lighter, which, you know, isn't directly what's happened before, but we've seen something kind of similar with uh, License to Kill and what happens to Lighter um, and how it affects uh, Bond from there on out. Um, so you do kind of feel like they're playing some of the greatest hits here with uh, Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, from there, uh, Bond returns to England. you know, he has this meeting with M I'm talking about, and M and Bond are kind of frosty, but Money Penny directs Bond towards Q. And they kind of do this off the record because uh, this project Heracles, this uh, nano machine virus,, um, m is partially responsible for um or at least you know he knows it's been happening and they thought it would be like the perfect killer um not unlike fox Die again uh so uh that's why he's like kind of being trying to play this as close to his vest as possible um so this is why bond money penny and q kind of have their own little side game here um and then from this point, uh, we cut to Madeline, who is the lone psychiatrist that Blofeld has been seeing in, in imprisonment. And uh, Safin visits uh, Madeline, uh, who at first doesn't recognize him because in their encounter in her childhood, he wore um, a mask—a goofy, kind like a almost like a comedy mask. It sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's like out of like traditional theater, like out of like a Greek tragedy or something. Um, so. Uh, basically he, uh, he confronts Madeline and says, you know, they're connected to each other, you know, kind of standard big, bad kind of shit. And he's like, basically gives her the Blofeld strain of Fox die, the one that will target him and kill him. Um, and then it's basically in the form of a cologne, uh, which she puts on her wrist when she's, you know, planning to see, uh, what's it called? Blofeld next, which also happens to coincide when Bond is coming to speak to Blofeld to figure out you know how the hell he who the other person who this person who's killing specter is yeah yeah um because they have no other lead since every other member of Spectre was killed in cuba blofeld's the last remaining person alive um so madeline and bond are supposed to go in together um they're very frosty um after all the history from the previous movie and the opening scene of this movie um And then uh, at the last minute, Madeline kind of backs out and says, Bond, don't touch me, uh, thinking that maybe she's not there to kill Blofeld or she can't go through with it. Um, But I think it's just the damage is done just that she was in Bond's vicinity. It spread to him. Well, he touches her. He
1: touches her on the wrist. And I think personally, I think she was nervous because remember, um, the big dumb twist from Spectre is that that Bond and and Blofeld are quote unquote brothers. And I think she might think – that oh. because it's it's it established at this point that that um, Heracles kills it all if you touch the court if a family, if a direct family member touches that person's corpse it also affects them so she might be th- I, I was assuming that she was she was afraid that Bond would get infected too because uh-huh. Bond wasn't supposed to be there I don't think or she didn't think he was supposed to be there yeah so I I got I or took she was, was to risk yeah, yeah she was nervous it would infect him so she like panics and basically leaves but he. It, he touches your skin, yeah, like you said, and then he uh has a conversation with Bofeld, and of course he ends up trying to choke him to death and then Bofeld dies. So it's a good scene. It's yeah. it's a good scene. It's a better use of Christoph faults Like he's still the most disappointing thing about Spectre is he was still good. Like he's a good actor, but
0: it was this good in service. Has no presence yeah, it was good time. in service to a very stupid plot. Yeah, um, I love Christoph Waltz. Otherwise, but I just generally found his Blofeld very, you know, it just doesn't have the presence of someone no. like Telly Savalas in... Uh, Donald Pleasance. on Her Majesty's Secret Service, or Donald Pleasance and uh, You Only Live Twice. So, well, he um, had so the, smugness is always a big like that's the that's the main
1: character trait of Blofeld. It can't be the only character trait of Blofeld. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, correct. Because
1: Telly Savalas was like con, 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 like barely constrained rage, and then Pleasance was just like nebby. Rage, like just absolutely furious all the time. Uh mm-hmm. like like he was in his Colombo episode. Um <laughs> <laughs> The Melendez Brothers. Uh-huh. The Menendez Brothers. Um But yeah, it, this this Bluffeldetic has no other character trait, and it's just sort of I don't know, maybe it's just a part of the fact that it's the first time we've seen him post Doctor Evil that it's just it's like You can't do that it's type Not, of character. Yeah, man. it's
0: just it's just too silly. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think yeah, that is definitely the culture informing back at the james bond movies which we'll get into that a little bit later as well um So uh, from there, the only thing that Bond really learned in his encounter with Blofeld is that Blofeld was the one responsible for the bomb at Vesper's grave. Um, And then Madeline had gone on the run after she kind of left Blofeld's cell uh, moments before. And Bond is able to track her back to her childhood home in Norway. Um, This is the same place that Safin attacked when she was a young child in the film's opener.
1: Oh, the other thing he learns is that she knows more. Like, she's the person who will know as much as anyone else. So he should be, Bond should be talking to her.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Saffin is um or yeah, Matil or sorry. Uh, Madeline is the pathway to Saffin. Like she's the point of contact Bond needs to investigate. Yeah. Um so sorry about that. Um, so bond does track Madeline down to Norway. Um, here Madeline, or uh, bond meets Madeline's five-year-old daughter named Matil uh, which, you know, we're, you know, we're spoilers full at this point. So it will be revealed that this is in fact bond's kid. Um, if you do go back to that opening, uh, trailer or, you know, the pre song sequence, uh, when, uh, bond puts Madeline into, uh, the train, she does grab her belly, which I don't know if that is meant to be foreshadowing, mm-hmm. but it was enough for me to like catch itself. it in the moment. Um, so it's got to be like that was there. Um, but you ne- you never know quite until you see the baby later on. Um, so um, we we meet uh, this kid who is Bond's kid, but Bond doesn't learn about it until much
1: later. I mean, he, he's, I think he thinks immediately it is his and she tells him it's not.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I think he's, he's pretty sure as soon as he sees her. Right. Um, the eyes, which he like says, you know, mm. the eyes are, the eyes are the same. Um, so while Bond was tracking down Madeline, the other 007 Nomi was tracking down Logan Ash, who is working for Safin. Um, and during that process, uh, you know, Bond's like, Hey, uh, he calls Q's like, get me in touch with 007. I want to know where she's at with everything. And then it turns out that, uh, 007 is closing in on Bond's location at that moment, which is kind of a giveaway that Logan Ash and a bunch of Saffin's cronies are, uh, you know, kind of zooming in on where Bond and Madeline are. Um, the three of them with the kid get into a car and start driving. Uh, but, you know, uh, along the way, they're accosted by Ash and Saffin's men. Oh, they, they very notably get into
1: a, a, a Range Rover, I believe. Or was it a Land Rover? I think, it was the, la- I think the other ones were Landovers. I just, I, I remember seeing that and laughing. Then, like, the, there's a, there's a, there's another there's another spot, too, where he picks up his phone and they just, like, show the phone for a, a half a second. <laughs> I think it's in that spot, that, that, that same section, where they just... Eh. feels strange for Bond movies to be... doing I guess they've always been doing product placement, but that that one felt more, like, nakedly obvious than a lot of the other ones have been.
0: Yeah. I guess, yeah. Maybe it is just, like, one of those things that Bond's always done, because they've always mentioned, like, Dom Perignon and, yeah. you know, the finest caviar. They usually just do, but, it with, I mean, now,
1: they do it with cars like that you're used to it's it's doing with like a phone feels more like a a budget tv show thing
0: Mm -hmm. um yeah no the thing is because of you know capitalism and specifically post-war capitalism and how the brands have taken over now it's like heineken who's Mm. uh doing the bond you know product placement it's not like the finest caviar in all the world or anything like that so um Anyways, uh, what ensues back returning to the movie is a pretty, you know, pretty dope uh, kind of sequence chase through um, a misty forest. Um, initially, it starts out, um, you know, everyone's on wheels. Luckily, Bond read the script and knew to take a Range Rover. So it'd be good for the off-roading. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's uh chased by motorcycles and car and other, uh, like, Land Rovers or whatever. Um, It's a pretty, you know, cool scene, especially with the mist. Um, They eventually uh, ditch the vehicle. Well, I I, real quick, I I
1: noticed pretty quickly that nobody's shooting at them, which gives away that, like, the point of this is to get Madeline.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: Like, they they show that helicopter there, and you think for a second, like, oh, they're gonna have to fight a helicopter, and the helicopter just kind of follows them around, and it was pretty obvious that, like, they're not trying to kill anybody here. If they can kill Bond, they can yeah, kill or- Bond. Like that's great, but they don't. They're not trying to, which which results in a very um kind of refreshingly like a car chase that was just a car chase, like just driving and stunt driving and stuff, and that's fun. Yeah. Not not doing the usual Bond thing of like two guys holding guns, firing it out of windows at each other, like Mission Impossible two style yeah. shit, which you know I love, but yeah, I don't know. It's just different. It's a different. Uh, we haven't had a. There's a. That, again, feels like an 80s Bond thing where more would just have like a random car chase with no other action going on. Mm -hmm. But I like those. Those are good.
0: Yeah, no, it was good, and especially a little bit different since um, I know they did some foresty set pieces in Spectre as well, but, you know, I barely remember those. Yeah, um, and this one has some cool shots, especially when Bond gets out on foot, um, is kind of using tow cables um, to set traps for bikers and, you know, the way he's kind of running around and using. Well, when he, yeah, when he, you mean when he turns in Asian 47 for like 10 whole minutes and just
1: starts doing
0: mm-hmm. lethal takedowns on all these guys? <laughs> um it was uh it was pretty dope it was one of the better sequences in the movie um but in that process when bond's trying to lead them off um Safin is able to uh get away with madeline and matil um and this kind of sets up the final act of the story uh where uh Safin has a quote unquote poison island. Um, if I was able to do a Colonel Campbell voice, I would say he has a remote island off the archipelago of Japan or something like that. Um, but well, yeah, this, this is the point I was talking base, about really when, very... I, when I said that they just kind of hang around. They f- find that
1: island like before that entire Norway sequence starts and then they just go to Norway. Like it's a cool sequence, but like it was weird that Bond just like, I'm going to go hang out now. And, like we know where he is, but let's. Oh, yes. We're just going to wait. 45 minutes in the movie for no particular reason.
0: It's probably like 15 or 20 minutes, but still it felt longer. Yeah. Um, because There's a lot of um, you can call it character work, but there's just a lot of stuff where it really plays up the melodrama between Bond and Madeline. Which, um, I understand why they're doing it, especially when we get to that. end, but I definitely think you know it, f- it feels more perfunctory, um, and almost kind of telegraphing where the story's going. I feel like yeah. they could probably cut some guess, of that. I guess a he does, bit. I
1: guess he does get photos of the island from Madeline. But I, I still, I think it would have been better to have that happen after the big action sequence. Like, he goes back to the house or something and finds the photos, and they send him to Q.
0: Um, or before he drops the, uh, what's it called, flipped over Range Rover onto Logan Ash's, like, you know, bleeding out corpse. He could, you know, it could have been a piece of information. Yeah, before he
1: does his, uh, his license to kill lighter
0: moment, you mean? hmm Exactly. Which, which uh, rule? For- yes. Um and it's a, it's it's all kind of nice and creative. You know, that you know car chases like this aren't new to Bond, but I like that it's all kind of feels different, but also feels classic in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, setting up the third act, there's this remote uh, secret island base that Safin has. Um and it's basically um he bond is going to be inserted kind of combination of metal gear solid 3 and metal gear solid 1 i'm thinking operation snake eater when he flies in on the drone um it's actually bond and 007 uh nomi which give me a second here because i think one of the parts i didn't love was that before this final mission uh nomi says like let bond be 007 for this mission which um you know it's fine i know why they're doing it but again it's kind of like telegraphing to me where they're yes. going with this um is like oh, of course they're doing that. Um That's one of the things that was weird. Is I I, I read a lot of people being like a lot of twists in this movie, and I was like,
1: eh, uh, Felix getting killed, kind of. But like, mm-hmm. I was waiting for something else. I was waiting for something else to happen. The whole last, the whole like, pretty much once he gets, once they find uh, Matilde, I was being like, oh well, they're not. They're, like it's kind of obvious what they were doing, right? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't think there was. Um, cause even like you see Matil and she says, you know, he's not Bond's kid. So even that's not like going to be a huge reveal when Safin tells you, cause you're already thinking it anyways. Um, so you know, it's definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, de- it's definitely not like a big revelation, uh, moment in this. Um, and I was actually kind of waiting for a kind of another turn in the third act and was kind of surprised when there wasn't, but yeah. I guess because again, they were playing up the melodrama of what was about to happen. Um, so yeah, uh. Bond and Nomi are inserted first by an air drone, uh, which is what reminds me of Operation Snake Eater. Um, And then that drone kind of dips underwater for the rest of the approach to the secret base, which reminds me of the little drone that Solid Snake entered Shadow Moses from uh, to start that game. Yep. Uh, From there, they basically, you know, get in through the docks um, and they discover what is the nanobot factory, I guess for lack of a better word, uh, which is basically shows that they're creating um, these specifically DNA targets Targeting poisons for basically everyone, for lack of a better term, um, and the scientist Oberchev is their leading kind of the scientist portion of that.
1: I appreciated that he didn't. he didn't have Oberchef go like a, like talk about specific ethnicities he wanted to kill. That would be like, eh, let's yeah. If he was like, let's we're going to finally eliminate the Kurd. It's like oh, please, oh, oh, we don't need to do that, guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, like I said, they by not even trying to. Engage politically with it, they actually just avoided a lot of pitfalls in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, th- um, the, these DNA killers can be you know fine tuned to families all the way up to you know races and all that stuff. But well, the old I also
1: feel like the old Bond thing to do would have been like, and now they're targeting the members of the royal family, like, no, <laughs> yeah, they responded to the three I um, like, nobody really gave a shit about that as like a danger. Yeah, Bond teams up with a heroic tabloid journalist to protect his income source. <laughs>
0: Um, it did, because I do think there is a quick uh, joke when they mention that you can target by ethnicity and, um, what's it called, uh, Lashawna Lynch, uh, Nomi's character, kind of looks at um, the guy like, what the fuck? Um, you know, yeah. I think obviously kind of acknowledging it. I did have a quick flash to uh Skullface and him talking about his uh, what vocal cord parasites as ethnic cleansers, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, th- there's a lot of kind of parallels between the... Project Heracles disease and all sorts of you know fox die and vocal cord parasite stuff in the Metal Gear stuff and we'll talk about that in a second. I
1: think Skullface. I think Skullface it explicitly is like the most Bond villain mm-hmm. MGS villain too.
0: Yes, down to the monologues and all that shit. Yeah, he loves he loves huge like incredible long incredibly long monologues. Yeah. Um. So we get you know some pretty you know standard action stuff. Uh. From here. Um. What's it called? double or lashana lynch's know me is basically just kind of at this point running around uh doing the traditional run and gun stuff while bond has an encounter with uh safin uh where who's you know locked up uh madeline but madeline escapes which i actually appreciate just because madeline was not you know she was a very passive character in the plot very much along the way so i'm actually glad she did something at this point um, so she kind of res- escapes her own little imprisonment, but Bond... And- yeah, there's a weird thing where, like, I think... Well, we could talk about... Uh, they, they
1: specifically, not only do they specifically care, uh, compare her to Vesper, which who is the best, you know, Craig Bond girl, but they also, um, you know, deliberately have... They continually reference them having all the time in the world. They play the song. Like, there's a deliberate uh, uh comparison to, to Diana Rigg and Our Majesty's Secret Service to Teresa. Mm-hmm. And, like, She's certainly a better, like, she's certainly not, like, the, like, 70s, more Bond, like, stupid, like, vapid, empty Mm-mm. Bond girl. But and she doesn't get as much to do as I think you, for how important she is in the story. She doesn't do quite as much as you would assume, I think. but Yeah, she's very... Lacey pat- do ad- is, a, is, a- ad- ad- is a fine actor, though. She does well, I, well enough, I think.
0: Yes. And a Kojima favorite from Death Stranding. So, mm-hmm. uh, nothing against her. I just think she wasn't always the... 'Cause there's a lot of if I actually think, you know, Lashana Lynch's character is really solid, uh, Paloma mm-hmm. and Anna De Armas. Um, and it just it just like her character kinda fell flat. And I think part of it is just because things keep happening to her, um, as yes. opposed to her having any real agency in the story. And then like Money Penny's not
1: in this one a lot, but Money Penny, I think, even in Skyfall, was more of a active mm-hmm. like a more le- less passive. I don't want to say more active, but
0: yeah, yeah. And She she's you know helping push bond towards q and you know she's all about like we got to figure out what's going on here so money punny does have some nice stuff in this movie as well
1: but again being being the least good bond girl of the series well i don't know maybe you can argue that it's still that's a good sign because she's by no means like a bad character or like a stereotypical damsel well, i mean she is a little bit of a damsel character but she's not like a i can't even think of like literally can't even remember the, remember the characters i'm thinking of but like um uh with one in diamonds and forever a lot of you Infinity know I, mean, case, yeah. I don't think i i don't think i have to give examples yeah. i think people know what i'm talking about when i talk about vapid yeah, bond bond women yeah
0: it's yeah it's it's a trope both to james bond and generally just western cinema especially over the mm-hmm. last 60 years it's just damsels in distress you know it's the basis of you know every mario and zelda game initially so um it's everywhere well some of them aren't
1: even damsels in distress like some of them Bond has no, doesn't even give a shit if they die or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like they're they're literally just like set dressing. And that's the stuff that I mean. Cer- certainly, Lacey is not that, so she still does well. I think. Yes, yes. Um, but I would say I would say a lot of. I, 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 sorry, I just want to I want to finish mm-hmm. up on this. I would say that the just thinking about it, the main. I guess the reason she's not really a damsel is like Matilde is more the damsel. Like like she needs the moment to be Bond meets yes. her. Yeah, like that. It's it's more. She's not even like the sexualized uh, damsel in distress. It's more like Bond wants to save his family unit. He wants to preserve this new family unit, which is a very different tack for Bond, and I appreciate that. But
0: mm-hmm. no, it does I- sort
1: of overwrite her as like a an active force, and more, it's just like a, a symbolic force of a thing Bond wants. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Ultimately, ultimately, every character—and just to be fair, every character in this plot is a a symbolic force to bond. Like that's how that's that's how Felix Felix is. You know his, his what he used to like his um love for the old spy game. That apparently between Mission uh, Movie Two and Movie Three, he apparently had like fifteen years of active service. Because it was—it's a little weird that. The First two are, are him as a young agent, and then suddenly by Skyfall, it's like he's a relic, he's been here forever, and it's like he's been here for two years. What you, what's going on? I just assume that there's a whole bunch of other adventures between there. That's yeah, even between Skyfall and Spectre, I assume there's more adventures.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so uh, we'll just knock off this uh, the end of the plot here, real quick, just so we can get to, yeah, discussion. yeah, sorry, but-
1: um well uh, i wanted to talk about that now because i think uh, at the end of the discussion we'll have other things to talk
0: about mm-hmm. no i agree with you um so uh bond goes face to face with Safin, with matil kind of you know being held by Safin and this is where bond you know is confirmed that it's his daughter it's not um you know someone else's and uh what's it called uh Bond kind of, you know, pretends he's going to give in to, uh, Safin at first, but then obviously he has a gun, you know, pocketed. He ends up shooting a bunch of guards. Um, you know, all hell kind of breaks loose. Safin kind of leaves. They say he's going to cellars, but they never really play on that too much. It's just like he takes Matil and leaves, but Matilda starts being, you know, a child. And then he just kind of leaves her and, uh, Bond, uh, ends up finding Madeline and Matilda. Um, and he's able to get them to safety with, uh, but Nomi's character, the old, the new 007, who was the old 007 in this movie. um, And they kind of get off the boat um, and Bond says they got to blow this entire place. Uh, He calls Q and says they got to order a, um, he calls Q to tell him they need to order a uh, missile attack and just blow the um, island of kingdom come or else everyone on the planet is at risk. Um, But Bond has to open some blast doors to do so. um, And he goes to the main, you know, What's it called? Room. It's very like World War II bunker style. Um, it reminded me a little bit of um, God, the Navarone, the Guns of Navarone movie. Uh, it has a very that kind of aesthetic. Um, and you know, he kind of opens the blast doors, but you know, just as he's kind of getting ready to flee the island, now um, the blast doors start closing. But the missiles are already in the air. Um, the blast doors are closing because Safin is still alive, um, and he kind of has a last uh, showdown with Bond, um, and they both kind of take a beating. Um, I think they both get shot in the process, um, but Bond eventually wins out, um, confirms the kill. Go ahead if you have something to add there. He doesn't really win out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, He he outlasts him is more what I'm going for. Yeah. Um, So Bond is able to open the blast doors again to allow the missile attack to do the damage. However, there's not enough time for him to get off the island at this point. Well... See, I think, I think he, there could have been enough time to get off the island. The important thing is that
1: Safin had um, – one. Of the reason that, that uh, Madeline was doing what he, what he said is that he in- engineered a uh, fox die for her and her daughter. Oh, right, right, right. And he has it with him the whole time, and he, he breaks it on Bond's face and cuts him. And they, they, they make sure to hammer home earlier when Bond gets the, uh, the Blofeld strain. Then they're like, oh, it's lucky you weren't related or else this would have killed you too. Mm -hmm. it's that once it's in your system, they're nanobots. You can't remove them. Yes. There's no, so like he's going to have that strain inside him for the rest of his life. So when he, when he realizes he has, he like physically cannot see Madeline or his daughter
0: ever again. Like he kind of decides that he's just going to go down with the ship. Yeah. Which is, yeah, no, that's a big part. I just totally glossed over that. So yeah. Um, if Madeline gets in contact with Bond again, him or her and her daughter will uh, die immediately. So that that kind of makes the choice easy um, for Bond to not uh, get off the island. And all that character work is, you know, throughout the movie was kind of building up that Bond wouldn't want to live without them at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, we get um, you know, I have to do a Marvel reference here. So we get the Peggy Carter, Steve Rogers scene from the end of Captain America First Avenger, um, where they're kind of on the radio with each other in um the hero's last moments. Um, Bond is just kind of sitting there, you know, take care of her, be brave. Um I don't remember the words, but you can imagine what what happened in a Western it was- Yeah yeah um and you know they blow the island and bond dies there um and they have you know following up on that they have a couple kind of rapper scenes first is at mi6 with all of bond supporting cast uh m money penny q tanner nomi uh having a glass of you know a drink in his honor probably a scotch um and then uh we last cut to uh madeline on the road with matil um And she's kind of telling her about Bond and in comes uh, Louis Armstrong. So we have all the time in the world, uh, which they kind of uh, referenced earlier in the movie, but now they go into that song as the end credits play. Um, So yeah, that's, that's the big picture summary of the movie. I know we got a little detail, but I think we got a lot of um, kind of our discussion points along the way out without forgetting any of the big stuff. So um, I guess um, the two biggest reveals are the big, biggest ideas I guess in this movie are probably the fact that Bond has a daughter and that Bond dies Um, any thoughts on those I think generally that's fine you know I'm into this idea this is what Mm -hmm. they're doing with the Craig movies I'm totally fine with this Um, the one thing I want to mention is one of the um, more recent Spider-Man comics I enjoy was uh, Spider-Man Life Story uh, which was uh, basically what if Peter Parker aged and it was basically a six issue run by Chip Zdarsky where he's like, this is uh, Spider Peter Parker getting his powers at age 18. This is like him fighting the Green, green Goblin in his 20s. Uh, this is like the symbiote stuff in his 30s and kind of condensed all of. You know, Spider Man canon into um, the six issue arc that showed Bond go through or showed Peter Parker go through his entire life, you know, life story, that's the name of the story. Um, and that's kind of what I felt from these Craig movies overall, especially in the last couple, is that they kind of took the greatest hits of Bond from all the previous movies, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, Felix Leiter being injured, um, all sorts of stuff, and kind of condensed it into like, this is the career of James Bond during the Daniel Craig films, film, starting with him earning his double O status. And then, you know, this one kind of starts with him retired, like actually retired, um, and then goes into his actual death. So um, I appreciate that the Craig movies just decided to do something different. Um, They kind of wavered during the middle. You know, some of those movies weren't all that great. But in the end, I think it, it, I like that they just tried to do something different with it. And having a kid and dying is exactly where something like that would theoretically end to me.
1: Mm -hmm. A more serialized Bond Like, you know, I mean, the first time we had a direct sequel in the entire series, which is interesting. Yeah. I don't have strong thoughts on it. I was just kind of more, I think, because I was, like, surprised that they telegraphed it so obviously and then just did it. Like, the the moment he puts them on the boat and they have, like, that... Like a kind of comically golden like shot of them leaving, he gets to look at them. I was like, "Well, they're not going to kill him. Like that seems too obvious that he's going to go back and and sacrifice himself." But it just kind of happened, and it was fine. It was satisfying enough, but it was just sort of like
0: I don't know. Yeah,
1: I feel like I feel like maybe even Bond movies are not that formulaic. Where like, well, especially these Bond movies have been kind of toying with that formula some. Mm -hmm. So I kind of assumed that they would be be like, "Well, you." I don't know. I just felt like a, almost like a first draft, but it was still, it was still fine. Nothing wrong with it. It was certainly a way to uh, ensure that Daniel Craig is never coming back.
0: Yeah. Probably at his request. It was just very by the numbers. I think more or less, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that you'd almost expect from, you know, a superhero film, just like it hits these beats. And if this character like goes through these certain things, you know, they're probably going to die or sacrifice themselves or something in the end. Um, They, you know, to add some layers to it. But I think that, you know, you know, that's, you know, it is what it is. Um, and, you know, and Bond movies, are, yeah, you know, they have varying levels of how challenging they are to traditional um, storytelling. Yeah. So um, any thoughts on uh, Rami Malik as the big bad here?
1: Not really. He had a goofy accent and a weird prosthetics, and he didn't really... They got a lot out of his weird eyes, I think, but mm-hmm. he's not that, like... <sighs> really the first third of the movie Blofeld is still the villain and then Blofeld is kind of dispatched with, but then you don't really get like, other than him wanting revenge on Mr. White, like what is his motivation?
0: Yeah, it's it, it's what's it called? Like, why does
1: he want to kill Spectre? Other than that they're another evil and like, I don't know. It seems like he just wants to replace Spectre, but he doesn't really get into that. Like he doesn't there's no talk of him like actually wanting world domination or, or trying to Make money. It seems like once he kills Blofeld, he's just sort of like, "I did it," and then I don't know. Just yeah,
0: I not was much motivation. Say basically the same. Logan thing.
1: Ash doesn't get any. Logan Ash doesn't get any motivation besides like, "I work for this guy and I'm evil." I, I think part of it is also like M and Nomi are also set up as minor antagonists, and then they're just not. So I don't know. There's not really. He's sort of the the primary antagonist by default, just because he's the last guy the Bond has to beat, but it doesn't really feel like. I don't know. There's no sort of. See, I want to say, hmm. I kind of like the guy in Quantum, uh, but I would say honestly that like they still have not. The Sheaf and and Silva are easily the two best Craig Bond villains, like easily.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, what I was gonna say is, I think Rami is. It's a very, again, by the numbers, I feel like is what I'm going to yeah. come down to on a lot of things. It's very by the villain, Bond villain, um, by the numbers Bond villain, sorry. Um, in that he has a lot of the trappings, you know, he has, you know, an interesting physical look, um, I you know, especially with the mask on. But we don't really explore him in any interesting way. Like I said, in the end, like when he leaves Bond, he's supposedly meeting up with some buyers for his Thing, but they don't really talk about who they are, why they want it. Yeah, um, like you said, you know, like you know, even in like a movie I love, like Goldeneye, it comes back to, um, you know, 006 is both going to steal a bunch of money and level London, you know, institutionally, uh, empty and turn it into a black hole, basically. Yeah, like there is like a broader plan there, and it helps feed um, a lot of it, and especially because it's, it just, you know, Blofeld doesn't really have any presence to me in the in these couple movies and then you know rami malek trying to take him out and trying to supersede him in some capacity but it just all like even his name like lucifer saffin is just basically lucifer yeah. satan yeah. it's basically devil devil um it's not really trying um i do like the concept you, you know you know who probably loved that name though kojima you know kojima loves that fucking name yeah he probably loves it yeah <laughs> Um, and it is definitely um like I like the poison island and all that kind of stuff. It's like a good idea, but again, it's more just like they mentioned this is a poison island. They don't do anything with it. Um, yeah, I guess we can't I guess we can't we can't uh we
1: can't praise the movie for flashing back to a lot of older, simpler bonds and then get mad at that it has an older, simpler bond villain. but
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know, I don't know. I think the Sheaf and Silva both have much easier to understand motivation. the Sheaf just doesn't want to be killed by Specter that's that's his motivation and then um silva just wants to kill him i think that
0: yes very specifically M.
1: pretty simple and easy to understand backstory and easy to understand uh motivations
0: yes um so yeah that was that was kind of a lackluster part one thing i was expecting and it didn't happen is so in the opening scene when young madeline um puts a couple bullets in uh Saffin, he like kind of falls basically looks like he's dead and then all of a sudden he like comes back to life out of nowhere and then starts chasing her. And that's when the whole ice and her falling in happens as a young child. Uh, when bond puts a couple in him at the end of the movie, I was just expecting a reprise of that. Um, not for any like real reason or that they were going to explain it. It's just like, Oh, I saw like a visual similarity and I thought they would just kind of call back to it and have him like make one last gasp attempt at, you know, killing bond or something. So, I mean, um, it looks like he puts him puts three into his head. I think that's, (laughs) it's pretty definitive. Um, Plus, this is a Bond movie. When
1: Bond hits you with when Bond hits you with anything or strikes you in any way or shoots you, you immediately die. But if Bond gets shot, he's fine. Yes, he can. He, he'll be all right. He can climb up a ladder with two bullets in his torso. It's fine. Uh, I was expecting, um, honestly, at some, by one point, I was expecting Anna de Armas to show back up. She just kind of leaves the movie, which is cool. I like that. Now, in retrospect, that she's just in the movie, she does her bit, and then she's gone. She's, all right, see you later, and then that's it.
0: Yeah. Um- I I don't know if I can point to specifically, um, you know, like a Bond example of this happening before, but I like the idea of like, He goes somewhere, he meets someone who's not necessarily the equivalent of him, but just like another agent. And they kind of like their missions align for just like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie in a specific setting um, and then kind of disappears, um, you know, and isn't just like killed off, you know, just for the sake of it. Mm. Um, And, you know, I I really liked Anna Armas' character. I think uh, it was both kind of funny, but then also she had a great physical presence when they actually busted into the action. Um, You know, she's talented. I, I like her generally. She was great in Knives Out. Um, all that, you know, standard stuff that everyone on the internet already agrees with for the most part, i not saying anything new here, but I liked her sequence and I did like that. Um, they kind of just left it there. It leaves you wanting more as opposed to, um, you know, the more obvious or by the numbers twist would have been to just have her come back and like, oh, the CNA CIA is vested in this too because of what happened to Felix. Um, so here's your, you know, other agent who's going into the poison Island with you. Um, very easily could have done that. Or she could have shown up to save Bond, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's kind of what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, so the, no, I think it's, uh, it was well used and they had a lot of characters to juggle because as we said, Madeline Swan is the main, uh, kind of, uh, you know, the love interest E, but also kind of that stand in, like you said, the symbol for family and this life Bond could never have or wants to have, or whatever you want to say about it. Um, they have Nomi's, uh, 007, who's kind of alongside Bond or kind of just running side ops. And then, you know, eventually alongside him at the end and, uh, Penny as well. Um, so there's kind of like... Um, I don't want to say there was like a woman per setting for this Bond movie because uh, that's like what used to be in the old Bond movies and they usually just means the woman he had sex with in all those settings Um, but it just kind of like they're juggling a lot of characters all at one and I think overall they do a good job of balancing it Um, and it kind of makes sense and when you're wrapping up Bond's story that um, Paloma kind of has the least... um, like interest in Bond itself, whereas Nomi's kind of Bond's replacement, and then Money Penny and Madeline Swan are obviously key people in Bond's orbit. Um, she's just kind of the odd one out in terms of screen time, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny you said that. I, I want to say we could finish up here, like what we think the next thing is, because I have an idea, and I, I don't really say it matter who people always focus on who like the next Bond will be. I don't care. They can, they can go with Idris. They could go with Ashana Lynch. They could go with anyone else. They could go with some relative unknown 25 year old British actor, which is probably what they'll do. Um, I don't really care. I, I want the tone. I, cause I just watched, uh, most of Dr. No last night because I couldn't, go, I couldn't fall asleep immediately. And like, I, I want, I want to go back to like Detective Bond. That's my favorite thing about that movie and from Russia with love is that. He doesn't just show up to a place and suddenly there's... He doesn't get a lead from someone else, show up, and then fight a bunch of bad guys. He's just, like, hanging out, figuring shit out. Like, wearing a a cool hat and, like, looking into receipts and stuff. I like that detective shit. That's that's my favorite Bond thing, and I wish they would do more of it.
0: Yeah, Um, that's very... Because they
1: kind of do it in GoldenEye, and they kind of do it, I guess, in Casino. Although, that's more just, like that more feels like a detective movie because it takes place in a casino and he's wearing a suit and playing a uh, uh, hilariously unrealistic poker. But
0: yeah, no, uh, like it's very, uh, John Lake Carre kind of style where it's like yes. information, intelligence, signals, intelligence. We can get a SIGINT mention in here. Um, so like stuff like that, where he's like picking up notes and people, tra- uh, tailing other people, tracking people, um, you know, kind of spying on people through a table or underneath the aqueducts of, uh, is it called istanbul um just kind of like that nitty-gritty spy stuff in terms of just like overhearing surveillance um infiltration um i'm using just metal gear buzzwords at this point but no i hear you i think osp yeah (laughs) going back to uh something like that because it's definitely moved towards the big bombastic um stuff Um, And they, like you said, they kind of scale it back down, usually to start with, you know, the new bonds, like, you know, the first ones for Brosnan and Craig were kind of more in that, you know, chasing leads and kind of figuring stuff out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the only other idea I had was to maybe swing in the complete opposite direction of both the Craig idea, but also in terms of casting a new Bond. Um, I was thinking something of like an anthology where it's like, we're going to get Idris, but he's doing one movie. We're getting Kaylee Atwell, but she's doing one movie. Um, You can do like an old man Bond and a rookie Bond. I know we just basically had that in the Craig era, but like you can find um, different, you know just, like, don't even do the serialized thing or try to make them connected. It's like, here's just going to be completely different movies with completely different directors and leads, possibly. Um, That would be the only change, but I imagine it'll end up being kind of a similar, just reset, and then we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we're in an era of, unfortunately, franchises and multiverses and all that kind of stuff, Um, so I... See, getting a bunch of standalone bonds doesn't seem like the likely thing. If anything, it'll be probably more like the Brosnan era, which you know had a loose continuity, no more or less than you know more Connery before it. Um, mm-hmm. Just like you know, the previous movies did happen, but they're almost never going to be relevant to the current movie um, unless Bond gets like a new gun or a new you know. World. Well,
1: I they're they're gonna have to do something with this one
0: at the start, the new whatever the next one is to deal with the fact that he just died <laughs> yeah yeah so um and they haven't you know committed whether lashana lynch will just carry on 007 under a new name or they're just gonna whatever they're gonna do um because they'll at least because the way they we cover media this day which sucks they're gonna have to put out something about like this isn't related to the craig movies or you know yeah the way the, the, the way we handhold audiences i think they're going to have some kind of press release about how it's a new beginning or a different universe or something like that yeah, the, the Bond
1: multiverse, the Bond unit the Bond cinematic universe is being reborn. Yeah, they can't do the thing that Zelda does, which is uh, when people ask them about Thailand and stuff, they just go, "I don't care," and go. <laughs> Yeah. Which is my favorite my favorite Nintendo thing.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of why I was push, uh, pushing the anthology idea for a film, where it's just like, mm-hmm. these are the tropes of I Bond. Um, let, you know, this was, you know, Cary uh, Fukunaga uh, doing his take on Bond, but you can give one from everyone to, you know, Tarantino to Nolan. I'm just throwing out big names. Those aren't necessarily the guys I'd want to see. Yeah, I mean, Van
1: said he wanted to do one.
0: Yeah. Um, I would love to see what he would do with, you know, a just the... Tra- the trappings of a James Bond movie. I'm sure he'd do something pretty fun.
1: And then the other question is: This is for me, and this is something I kept thinking of during the movie. And I'm going to talk about this now. We've only got a few minutes, but hey, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, th- boy, they. Uh, th- this is a certainly a Hitman ass movie. Hmm. <laughs> certainly is. Um. I mean, like, I was legitimately almost chuckling to myself when he's walking around his little bungalow in Jamaica. It looks like one of the DLC levels in Hitman Two. Like almost exactly like it to a frightening degree. Um there's parts that look like the club in Berlin in Hitman Three, there's parts that look like the winery, which is the most overtly Bond level. It's the last level the last real level of Hitman Three. Um which is like a hilarious it's almost like a Bond tribute level. It's great. It's got secret passageways and henchmen and shit. But it really what I was really thinking of the whole time is boy, I cannot wait for that IO interactive Bond game. Mm-hmm. Because they are gonna absolutely nail, and there's a, there's a there's a real chance that that's the first new thing we get after this movie. Yeah, the first licensed Bond media. Because I don't think they're gonna be doing. I mean, unless they unless they secretly already have someone picked out. I don't think they're gonna be doing pre production on the next Bond for two to three years at least, right?
0: Yeah, and that no, game I, is I think-
1: allegedly supposed to be out in 2023. I don't know if that's true or not.
0: Yeah, I think we'll start hearing about the rumblings of who will be the next Bond probably sometime next year. Um, They have a whole media cycle between this and then when it hits streaming and DVD and um, who knows what. But um, I'm sure probably a year from now we'll at least, if not... We'll probably just know who's probably in the running, or you know who the rumors are for Bond. But
1: oh, you know what else was nice about this movie? When
0: I left, mm. I just walked out like when it was
1: over. I, there were still pe- there were people sitting. This is what the MCU has done to us. There were people still sitting there waiting, and they look confused as to why people were leaving. And I'm like, there's not going to be a
0: fucking post credit scene in this. I don't think there was. Uh, I I left as well during the credits. the the the, the uh, theater lights went on, which is usually a good sign. <laughs> yeah, um, that there is no post credit scene. Um, it it is nice because you know i like i don't want to like throw out the entire post-credits thing because metal gear solid has always done a post-credits yeah. audio thing so i obviously am not against it in concept but it is i Those don't mind. used to be a fun a fun add-on and now they feel like people like you have to
1: like if you don't stand watch it, you're missing the movie and it's like okay man
0: yeah it's like you know fine marvel did it you know i'm okay with that but the fact that everyone else started doing it as yeah, well yeah um really kind of is what ruined it for me. So that one I will not uh, blame Marvel for. And I think... Well, I, I want to... Uh, uh, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say... Um, yeah, I was just going to say, like, they really hit all the fox dye elements across Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. 1 mm-hmm. and 4, um, both in terms of just like the DNA targeting, but also that it can be, you know, you it could be used as a bioweapon to take out everyone, which is kind of old snake story um, that we're breaking down in Metal Gear Solid 4. And then kind of the ethnic cleansers that comes up in Metal Gear Solid 5 also gets a drop. Yep. So they yep. lifted all of the fox die uh, mythology for some of this.
1: Well, I want to say, I, I suppose what we can end with is, uh, I guess we have to at least burst the topic. Um, I, I, want, I want to say the one thing I'm pretty sure we can say at first that won't be happening is that the James Bond will return. Like, I'm pretty sure that's not the end of the franchise. That'd be strange for them to do no, when they're no. still making money.
0: No, no. Um- this is not one of those things where I'm uh, begrudging franchise and multiverse culture. James Bond's kind of always been a going concern. Um, at times, it looks you know worse. Like In between uh, License to Killing, Goldeneye, there was real thoughts that Bond might not return. But I think at this point, it's such a bankable and bankable international um, property um, just yeah. because it kills everywhere, not just uh, in the States or the UK. So because of that, I think you'll always see a Bond. I don't think the Broccoli family um, has any... Plans to put it on ice. Um, I'm just hoping that we don't hear about spin offs and, you know, a bunch of like, mm-hmm. you know, what's it called? Disney Plus Bond shows coming out about M or Q. Um, Q, who's canonically gay, which, um you know, I don't want to give them too much credit because they just say it, they don't show it, but also I'm not seeing a bunch of press going around about them, you know, patting themselves on the back saying, hey, we had a gay character in the Bond movie, um, which isn't I, the first. I also
1: feel like, I also, I also feel like, uh, I don't know this. <laughs> I don't want to use the phrase "gaydar," but I wasn't certainly not surprised that this cue was gay. I was like, "Yeah, that, okay, sure." That
0: yeah, no, yeah. I, not,
1: I, it's not like it wasn't like if they were like Felix Slater was gay. He's like, "What?" Yes, uh, it'd be a little. I mean, because I Jeffrey Wright could do it, but it would be. Uh, it would not. It would not really track with the the character they. But like this cue being gay is like sure that doesn't seem like a stretch to me. That did not seem didn't seem like a stunt thing to me. It just seems like somebody writing the movie was like, yeah, this guy's gay, right? They're like, yeah, probably. And I, yeah, I like that they, they treated it with the, how it should be treated. Yeah. Uh, again, to bring up Yoko Taro, who I keep bringing up in these, uh, he has uh, his like uh, the skull face character, like his skull character, Emil, is gay. And it's not somebody asked him about that when the first Nier came out. And he was just like, well, I didn't. He was like, it wasn't interesting to me because there are gay people. It's like, I didn't want to have it be like this big thing. And I thought that was right. I thought, I thought that wasn't the right, that's the right way to do it. Unless you were explicitly, I think an an LGBT creator who's making like an actual point. I feel like the, the best way to normalize this stuff to make it, because people there, there are almost certainly going to be people who are mad. Like I'm sure Piers Morgan is mad that there's a gay bond character. I don't know. Yeah. and he's ben- mad that, that. Daniel Craig was wearing a pink shirt, which is really funny if you've uh, watched any Sean Connery movies, because mm-hmm. that boy loved that man loved pastel colors and yeah. you know what? They looked good on him. So, you know, he, he made it work. Yeah. But, um, I, I did, don't know. I'm kind of talking in circles here, but I think, I think I got my point. Yeah.
0: Across. And I, and I think yeah, a big part of this is that Ben Whishaw is uh, a queer man. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I want to say he's a gay man, but I just, you know, sometimes, you know, I might not be capturing, but he is he was in a civil partnership with another man, so um, it's different when it's actually a, a gay actor um, portraying a gay character versus, say, um, the director of a movie who's very much a straight man uh, being in there and saying, hey, look at all this gay representation because I played a gay man, um, which is what mm-hmm. happened in Avengers Endgame, so... Um, there's that uh, I just wanted to mention it just because there's so much actually to talk about this movie um that it's just something that we didn't even think about until about an hour, in, yeah, so
1: and it, I, and that's good that's I think that's good because i like you said, there's the way, and i I wanted to mention this real quick as someone who loves Bio games and, and has a lot of respect for what they used to be I, what they are now is uh harder to say, they did get I think they caught some. I don't want to say flack because it it that makes it seem too negative but maybe some criticism for and even though it's a company that that I think at that point still employed a lot of queer people a lot of I know a lot of non-binary people at least more than one um they had in Dragon Age Inquisition they started like they had more than more than one gay character they had a gay romance, that you know, they had a lesbian romance option, they had a straight, they had a male gay romance option, and they, like, it's good that they had that stuff in the game, because people have been criticizing them for not having that in Mass Effect, for instance, but they were, like, very much, like, a lot of the marketing was, like, look at our gay characters. It's like, you guys don't need to, like, I, I'm a straight cis man, and I was still, like, that's, you guys don't need to put that much emphasis on this. Not for any reasons I don't want to see it, it's just, like, it. it was it smacked of, like, Look, we did, we did this. You don't you like us now? We're good now. And it was like you don't need to do this. People, people would appreciate that for what it was, without you having to like wanting. So obviously, they wanted the pat on the back for it, and they got some flack for that. I think deservedly. But but still, like better not the kind of flack they would have gotten if they'd had like the whole game have been like gay people are evil. I'm we're getting in the weeds on that, but yeah. I like that, that this this movie did not do that. It was just very matter-of-fact, which I think is the way to do that sort of thing, at least in this sort of still heteronormative, like kind of reductive mainstream shit like, like Bond, which is very
0: much that. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. All right. Uh, so if we got nothing else, we'll call that mission complete for this episode. Our frequency is podcastsansfrontieres at gmail and at PodSansFront on Twitter and Instagram. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash manuclearbomb. Who is me? I've been Manu.
1: Uh, I guess Nano's got me where I am today, but that's, that doesn't. I guess it kind of. I guess it works for this movie. Nano's did get me where I am today. They killed me in a hail of rockets.
0: A <laughs> shout out to our sound editor Stephen Boyd, aka DJ Empirical on Twitter. Please remember to like, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast application. So until next time, remember, the world is not enough.